0: One, two, three, four. Hey y'all, this is Seba, the Southern Fried Witch. And I am taking a break. So, today we're gonna hear from one of my students. And I just wanted to go ahead and throw in here some important information. Shannon is speaking from her position, her identification as whatever she wants to be. For instance, she's going to talk about how being a witch equals being a woman to her. And I want everyone to understand right off the bat that that is her specific experience her lived experience. We do have male witches in our coven and non-binary. So I think it's critical to add that in that in our belief, anyone who identifies with witch, it can express their own experience, including that of the body. It just so happens that for Shannon, that is female. I also wanted to say thank you so much for bearing with me. I know that the podcast went dark last week. I really need this break so I will be back next week. Thank you for your patience. Love y'all. Here she is.
1: Hey y'all, this is Shannon, student of Seba the Southern Fried Witch. I am coming to you guys today to give Seba a little break. You know, she has been doing this podcast for over a year without missing a week, so I thought I would step in Talk to you guys a little bit about what it's like to be her student and answer some questions um, that I got from you amazing Patreon slash Facebook groupers so that she could have an extra week to kind of take off and rest and relax. Tis the season for rest and relaxation and reflection. And I know we all want to make sure that our Bat Mama has plenty of time to do that. So without much further ado, I, my, the biggest question that I got was generally kind of what it's like to work with Seba. Is it like a traditional teaching situation where she teaches a lesson or do I ask what I want to learn? Uh, and the answer is yes to both. Uh, <laughs> there are times when Seba has lessons that she specifically wants to go over. Um, and then there are plenty of times where she asks me what I want to learn. Uh, and what I want to go over. So that is, you know, I think any good teaching relationship is going to be kind of a partnership like that. I'm sure Seba wouldn't want me only to learn the things that she thinks I need to know. And I would uh, not only want to be able to, or to have to ask her um, what I don't know, because as a student, you really don't know what you don't know a lot of the time. Seba is pretty much an open book and what you see is pretty much what you get. Most of you know that I was a podcast listener um, before I became a student, and it's pretty much exactly like it is on the podcast. You know, she she doesn't dress it up or down for you guys. She is genuinely who she comes across as, um, which is great. Uh, it's really important for sure. The other thing I really like about the way she teaches is that it's very structured My Capricorn brain desperately needs structure um, and accountability. So it's literally like she'll give me assignments and I will do the research on my own. And then we will kind of come together, talk about what I learned, talk about questions I have. She'll answer any questions that I have uh, and then we'll go over new stuff. So what I'm currently doing is what's called an auditorship which is basically where I am kind of taking the time to see if I'm a right fit for them, if they're a right fit for me, because it's not just Seba, as most of you guys know. There are several other members to our little group. And the auditorship role is basically seeing if we mesh. And that's, you know, obviously really important for any group of people kind of getting to know anyone, but it's especially important if you're going to be practicing magic with someone. So that's currently what I'm in, uh, and there is coursework, specific things that I have to do and learn and discuss and talk about before I am able to initiate into the coven. I will hopefully be done with most of that coursework relatively soon got a few more lessons to kind of go over a few more paragraphs to write on certain subjects. But I've done all kinds of stuff from basic research on moon phases to choosing five local herbs to research, talking about plant photosynthesis, really academically driven stuff. Because Seba and her coven are so science-based in nature, it's really important, A, for me to understand that that's where they're coming from, and B, for me to be you know on board with that. And I personally really appreciate having science be so such a driver in my witchcraft because that's the kind of practice that I'm the most interested in. Uh, so once I complete the auditorship, I am asked, basically, if I would like to initiate into the coven. And if I decide that I want to, and the coven decides that it's a good fit, uh, we kind of go from there. And there are different degrees, which are basically like years of training, I guess. So in your first degree, it's kind of like your first year, your freshman kind of a thing. Second degree, sophomore, it really follows uh, the structure, which again is huge for my Capricorn brain. So, uh, you know, in the first year, you learn kind of the basic stuff. And obviously, the higher you go, the more degrees you initiate into, the more in-depth your learning is. So, yeah, that's pretty much the basics of what it's like to be her student, kind of how the structure works and things like that. Uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and dive into the remaining questions that I got from you guys in the Patreon group. Someone asked, "How has your practice changed or evolved uh, since studying with someone?" So that's pretty big. I have been a solitary practitioner for my entire life. It's very difficult to find groups in the um, deep south at all. But it's especially difficult when you have a very, you know, I have a very specific view of witchcraft, and it's not particularly fluffy, and it's not love and light. It's not sparkles and rainbows. So that's a huge portion of the uh, pagan community, uh, which is totally fine for them. It's just not my cup of tea. Uh, So finding someone that aligned with the way I view witchcraft and the way I view the world is, is really important and really challenging. So that was that was huge. But I would say the biggest change is obviously like the additional structure. Having someone to hold me accountable to say, did you do this? Did you research this? Forcing myself to devote a certain amount of time each week to research and, uh, and learning because I know I'm going to have to interact with someone and discuss it with someone is really important for me because it really triggers my brain to say, okay, this is something that we need to devote time to that is important. It's really easy as a solitary practitioner to just kind of be like, well, you know, it's a full moon tonight. I should really do something, but I'm not going to, uh, you know, it's Samhain. I should really honor my ancestors, but I'm kind of tired. Uh, And I really appreciate the structure that is provided by having someone who is, you know, kind of keeping track of that with you, as opposed to just me by myself in a room, honoring my ancestors, which is great, but you can definitely feel the difference in working with a group uh, versus working um, by yourself. And also, I would say that uh, I definitely think about things in a more witchy way. Most of you guys know that Seba's motto is to witchify every damn thing. And it really, the more you are around her and interact with her and interact with other people that have similar beliefs, the more you start to realize it really creeping into your more mundane life. You know, I I think about witchcraft a lot more than I used to. I think about my actions, my intentions, the energy I'm giving off, whether I'm doing a ritual or interacting with someone at work or, or whatever, I'm just significantly more aware of that and how I am perceiving things and how I'm being perceived. So there's that. And then probably the biggest change is holiday celebrations are so much better. <laughs> my first holiday celebration with the coven was for Samhain. It was supposed to be for Maybon, but I got COVID. So that did not happen. And I was super bummed about it. But yeah, my first Samhain with other witches was eye-opening. You don't realize what you're missing until you have it, I guess. Uh, You know, having other people to celebrate the changing of the seasons who understand that, you know, it's coming from a spiritual place, understand what it means, understand how important it is to honor your ancestors and your beloved dead. It's not something I've ever had before. You know, I have a partner, a husband, and he's great, but he is in no way magically inclined. And none of the rest of my family is really either. Uh, I've got a cousin who, you know, floats back and forth a little bit, but she's super new at the idea. So I've just never had a group of people that really understand the significance of celebrating those holidays and again the energy raising the difference between being by yourself and being in a group is pretty significant so whether it is you know a coven that you are a part of or you know a coven close by even if it's just for holiday celebrations i highly recommend finding a group of people even if they're not witches you know plenty of secular people are interested in other religions or practices, and are interested in learning what those mean to you. And I fully recommend getting more people involved if you can, or, you know, meeting up with a group of like minded individuals, just if for no other reason than to celebrate those, because it definitely makes a huge difference in how you celebrate and how you feel. Um, You know, that community, that camaraderie is really important. So that has been pretty significant for me. So someone asked, have my beliefs changed um, since being a student? And I wouldn't say that they've changed. I would say that they have become more defined. I've never really thought about narrowing down what exactly my beliefs are before. But, you know, once you introduce other people into the equation, you kind of want to make sure that everybody is on the same page about what they believe. And even if they're not, you know. You don't have to believe the exact same thing as as everyone else in your coven, but it helps to have a basic structure that is at least workably similar. So, uh, you know, narrowing down, basically, I know that Seba talked about this in one of her previous podcasts, but essentially animism, which is the belief that there is a spirit in, you know, the trees and the forest and the sky, just all these different kind of layers of spirits. But having these spirits be kind of all around you. And one of the, uh, the best parts about Seba's Coven is that it does allow for personal preference for deities. And I think a lot of that is kind of for Seba, every deity, particularly the um, female presenting ones, are representations of different aspects of the divine feminine or, you know, big mama, as she likes to call her. So there is plenty of room for whatever kind of pantheon that you're interested in, whatever deity really speaks to you. I personally have a, a working relationship with Hecate, and I know that Seba's tribe is got a really fantastic mix of, it's basically a, a Celtic pantheon with um, indigenous blended in as well. And it actually surprisingly blends really well with um, a lot of the ideas of, you know, Celtic spiritualism. But yeah, so all all deities are essentially representative of the divine feminine, big mama, whatever you want to call her. So, you know, there is plenty of space for your personal relationships with those deities. Someone also asked how my relationships changed when I came out of the broom closet. And that is a little tricky for me because I don't know that I've ever really been in the broom closet. It's kind of like that part in Monty Python where they're like, you know, she's a witch. How do you know? Oh, she looks like one. I've kind of always looked like one, uh, I'm told. So, you know, ever since probably high school. And I'm very lucky to have grown up with parents who were radically supportive of me and everything that I did from exploring spirituality to, you know, my my goth high school phase to the art that I did basically just top to bottom. You couldn't really ask for more supportive parents, even if they don't necessarily, you know, they are Christian, they do believe in God. They don't, they don't necessarily believe what I believe, but they fully support my ability to practice and, and do whatever, you know, we don't necessarily get into depth about it. I think it's kind of an, an ignorance is bliss situation, uh, especially for my dad, but they've never made me feel like I needed to hide anything about myself. Um, So even in high school, you know, when I was into at the time what was Wicca, I didn't feel the need to keep that from them. And they didn't feel the need to tell me that I couldn't practice or couldn't explore that in any way. So I'm very, very lucky. And most of my family is like that. It's hard for me to kind of put myself in the the space of you guys that are in the broom closet, because uh, I know it is a big struggle, especially down here in the South. But I've never really been there because my parents pretty much raised me to be me. And if anybody doesn't like it, they can kick rocks. Uh, and I mean, I'm out everywhere. I'm out at my place of business, you know, my family, everybody pretty much knows uh, and everybody's really great. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm I'm really fortunate to have people in my life that, even if they disagree with what I believe spiritually, can still find the value in me as a person. So I'm I'm very lucky when it comes to that. Uh, so someone also asked if there are some things that I am not allowed to discuss, some secrecy, certain aspects that are you know just not for public consumption. And the answer is yes, but I don't really know them yet. (laughs) Um, Like I said, I am not an initiated coven member just yet. So there are things that I don't know. I would imagine that everything I do know is safe for public consumption. uh, There's nothing really that Seba specifically asked me not to talk about. Again, probably because if it is that secret, I don't know it. I think that's really important in witchcraft. And honestly, I would say in all spirituality, there are certain things that should just be between you and whatever deity or spirits um, you have that relationship with, or, you know, the, the specifically the people that you practice with that should not be for the general public. So yes, but I don't know them. <laughs> Uh, so someone asked, what keeps me coming back to magic, uh, keeps me practicing and and seeking new experiences and answers? That is probably going to be the feeling. And I think most witches know what I'm talking about here. There's just that feeling that you have uh, as a witch, as someone who sees things that other people don't necessarily see, you know, yes, the magic, obviously, but Beyond that, there's just that kind of tingling that you get when you know that you're in a situation where, you know, whatever magical entities are involved in or or what have you. It's kind of hard to describe, I guess, to someone who isn't a witch, but I think most witches, like I said, know what I'm talking about. Uh, It's just there, you know, it's like just under the surface of everything that we do that feeling of being connected to the land around you, the trees around you, the spirits around you, the energy around you. uh, It's very prevalent for me. And it's just something that I'm always kind of aware of. And that's really what, you know, in the whatever dark times that you're having in the, the situation where you're like, oh, my spell didn't work or I don't know if I honored that deity correctly or whatever's going on that kind of makes you doubt yourself and your magic. You still have that innate feeling inside of you that says, okay, yes, maybe that didn't go exactly as I planned, but I still feel connected to the land and the spirits and fellow witches. And there's just, it's just there, um, I guess is the best way that I can really describe that. Um, Whether you want to call it, you know, your inner power, your inner divinity, it's just that thing inside yourself that says, okay, but you're a witch, so figure it out. (laughs) Uh, So a good follow-up question to that is someone asked, when did I realize I was a witch? How did I come to identify as a witch? So like most people in my generation, I would say probably my first witchy experience would be watching the movie The Craft. Which, of course, leads to Wicca, which is basically gateway paganism. You know, I don't know anybody that didn't start with Wicca. It's the most readily available resource. It's the most common, probably, spiritual path, at least back in, you know, the early 2000s. It's the most widely recognized form of paganism, I think. Uh, I think if you ask most people on the street, they know what a Wiccan is. I am decidedly not Wiccan currently. But, you know, you watch the craft and then you go by to ride a silver broomstick by Silver raven wolf, And you do start to realize that some of that is fluff, for lack of a better word. Uh, no offense to anybody who does practice that kind of magic. Just not really my cup of tea, again. But uh, a lot of witches um, like to use the phrase that intention is everything. And intention does matter. It is a significant, I would say, even the majority of of the reason that things, spells, magical workings, what have you are successful or not successful. But I would go so far as to say intention is not everything. You know, Seba actually taught us a lesson on sigils and symbols. And while your personal gnosis is important, while, you know, what you identify with, rosemary or a certain rune or what have you is very important to you and how you work your magic. You just can't unsubscribe centuries of belief to a specific symbol or ingredient or what have you, in my opinion. You know, you can't suddenly decide that roses stand for hatred and malice instead of love. It's just not what that plant has been used for for centuries it's not what that spirit is there to do or help you with or embody so a lot of witches will say that intention is everything i personally believe that intention is most things but you know i don't think intention can be everything so that's kind of where i realized that it was time for me to start deviating from the path of wicca but i've always also kind of identified as a witch even before I was practicing, to me, the word witch, and especially historically, can be used to just describe any empowered woman. And I do feel like I should make the disclaimer that my beliefs are not necessarily um, the beliefs of Seba or the Southern Fried Witch podcast, but I've always used the word witch interchangeably with, you know, a powerful, self-aware, secure, confident woman. So I've more or less always identified that way. I've always essentially identified as a witch, even when I'm not practicing. You know, there are lots of people that will argue that to be a witch, you have to do this amount of practice. You have to follow these rules. You have to celebrate every full moon. You have to, I think people know when they're bones, when they're witches. And especially in this day and age, I feel like anybody that feels that, uh, it's totally acceptable for them to identify as a witch. But again, that's just my opinion. Let's see a lot of questions here. So uh, a lot of good stuff. The next question was someone asked, do I struggle to reconcile any of my belief systems with witchcraft? And the answer is no, because like I said, I've known since I was very young that I was not a Christian. I was raised in a household of Christians who did not force their beliefs upon me, who did not look down on me when I told them I was not a Christian. So I don't have a lot of that uh, religious trauma that I know a lot of you guys have had to deal with because I just wasn't forced into it. If anything, I probably tried more than um, I should have for my own sake because Being in high school is hard enough uh, without being a witch or a Wiccan or whatever in a group of predominantly Christians. Uh, Like I said, I did, I was born and raised in Alabama, so it was the easier path to take and I tried to take it for as long as I could until I realized that I just couldn't anymore. So yeah, I don't really struggle to reconcile any of my beliefs again because I just didn't have those things necessarily drilled into me as a child. So someone asked what I feel is my magical strength and weaknesses. Uh, My magical strengths are definitely going to be anything tactical. So um, obviously, you guys, most of you know, I am a, a jewelry maker, a silversmith, anything I can do with my hands. I tell you, I can whip a jar spell out of thin air, put XYZ in the jars, charge it under this moon, carve a rune into the wax on top. Like I can whip out a jar spell. For for most things that ail you, my biggest weakness is probably going to be, you know, the visualization and meditation aspect, which I know a lot of people probably struggle with. I have a very active mind, uh, which is good because I do feel that I can push it further than a lot of people in terms of visualization and imagination when I can get there. But sometimes I just can't get there. Sometimes I can't turn it down enough to focus and visualize what I'm trying to manifest. So after years and years of just trying to push past that and force that visualization, I realized that sometimes it's just not there and you have to kind of walk away and try again later. That revelation was pretty big for me. You know, most people act like witches uh, meditate 30 minutes a day and everybody knows how to visualize and everyone can lucid dream and and all this stuff. But, you know, especially for people who are not neurotypical, uh, you know, people with ADD, ADHD, OCD, all of those things, it is more challenging. I'm not personally diagnosed with any of those things, mostly because I probably just haven't seen the right doctors. I feel like most people have some variants of most of those things, so I wouldn't necessarily describe myself as neurotypical, but I wouldn't necessarily identify as um, neuroatypical either. I just have an active brain, and it's hard to turn that off for me. So I can only imagine how hard it is to turn that off for people who do have those things going on, but. Yeah, basically the realization that some days it's just not going to happen and you kind of have to walk away and come back when you're in a better place uh, mentally and spiritually. So someone asked, do I find that where I live makes a difference in my practice? Uh, Yeah, I kind of think it has to, you know, witches are so in tune with the land that I can't imagine not being affected by the land that you're on. The land spirits that are around you, I mean, those are going to be different no matter where you live. Uh, but more than that, the non-land spirits that are around you, just the, the spirits that kind of tend to be around. I mean, particularly, obviously, in the United States, we have so many people living on um, land that belongs to indigenous peoples that's gonna affect how you practice and if you're really connecting with that kind of a thing, um, you're gonna notice. So yeah, I definitely, definitely think that where you live affects your practice. That's not to say that, you know, you have to be in New Orleans to practice any kind of voodoo or hoodoo or or anything, or, you know, you can only practice traditional, you know, witchcraft in Salem or anything like that, obviously, but uh, you know, it, it does make a difference and it does kind of flavor I think uh your practice and and the spirits that you're working with so all right I've got one last question and then I am going to give it back to Seba and you guys will get a real episode next week (laughs) okay so um my last question is how does one go about finding a mentor or reliable resource that's a really good question it is really hard I have been to several gatherings for several different pagan groups in the community going back to when I was very young. There's a lot of people out there who aren't doing it for the right reason. There's a lot of, you know, men who are almost predatorial. There's a lot of um, women who are manipulative. It's, it's a very scary prospect, especially for someone who, like I said, has a very scientific view of witchcraft, you know, not not super woo-woo. It's challenging. And, I, you know, one of the reasons why I drive a significant away out of my way to meet with Seba and to be part of that specific coven Yes, there are plenty of covens closer to me, but I finally found one that really aligns with what I believe and how I practice. So I'm not saying that everyone out there is a predator or trying to manipulate you, but you are going to have people out there that are. So you really, really need to be very careful. You really have to trust your instincts. If your gut is telling you there's something off, there's something off and you really have to listen to that. I lucked out basically um, by having, you know, so much information about Seba from the podcast before I even decided to reach out to her to see if she was interested in, you know, meeting up with me. And I, at this point, I don't know that I would have sought that kind of mentorship otherwise, just because there have been so many times where things just weren't a good fit for me. You know, there were plenty of, of nice covens and groups that I met with that were great that were not predatory, not manipulative, you know, not culty. They just weren't for me. And there's nothing wrong with that either. But it's also not something that I'm willing to force. So you really kind of have to trust your instincts. And if you want a mentor, you should really be kind of actively looking for one. You know, it's always kind of a red flag if a mentor comes to you. I think just because it's almost, you know, recruity in a way. But again, there's just so much love and light and that kind of stuff that's just not me. I don't have tons of advice on the subject outside of, you know, do your research, connect with people and go into your connections knowing that there's a chance, probably statistically a good chance that it's not going to be a good fit, that you may have to talk to several different groups before you find the right one. And just really paying attention to your instincts, so that if they're screaming at you that this isn't right, it's not right. All right. So I think that's it for me today, you guys. Um, that's uh, all the questions that I got, and I don't think I can ramble on anymore about this. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Don't worry, Bat Mom and will be back next week. I, uh, just also wanted to mention to you guys that you know if you are interested in submitting questions or anything like that, To Seba or to the group, the Patreon uh, and the Facebook group that comes with the Patreon is probably going to be the best way to do that. So check that out. I know that is Patreon, the Southern Fried Witch. Seba could always really use your support. You know, making a podcast is not free, there's all kinds of hosting fees. Patreon takes its chunk of flesh uh, and all that. So, you know, if you guys are willing and able, Obviously, only if you're able to support her in the podcast that way. I know she is super appreciative of everyone that does that. And if you have any questions about that, feel free to reach out. So, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. As Seba says, love y'all like chicken. Bye-bye.
0: Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.